<clears throat> it's going to be uh, how hot tomorrow? 37 degrees, 38 degrees, 40 degrees, 50 degrees. I don't know how hot it's going to be. It's going to be hot, isn't it? I hope everybody... I mean, unless you've been living under a rock, which is probably not a bad idea uh, tomorrow, then we know it's going to be hot. So what are you going to do to keep cool? Uh, would you like some top tips? These are what I've gleaned from uh, various different sources. Wear a wide-brimmed hat. Keep curtains and windows closed, especially if they're south-facing. Have a cold shower, or if you're not up to a cold shower, run your wrists, apparently that's uh, good, under a cold tap. Drink plenty of fluids, avoid alcohol, avoid caffeine. Put a bowl of ice cubes in front of your fan to make your own uh, air conditioning. Make sure that you're wearing sun cream. Keep your sun cream in the fridge, that's nice. Um, Wear cotton, not synthetic fabrics. Avoid dark colours, wear light colours. Turn the lights off. Uh, because they generate heat as well as light. Unplug unnecessary electronic items, because that also generates heat from the plug. Put your bedding in the freezer. Apparently, I've not tried that, but that sounds like it might be nice and cool, ready for bedtime. Don't eat meat, because apparently the body has to work harder to break down the food. And finally, paint your house white. But (laughs) it might be a little bit late for that. Did everyone write that down? So many things to remember. Well, what about, what about the Christian life? What about our relationship with God? What about being a Christian? Are there, I mean, isn't it a bit like that? Just so many things you've got to remember. An endless list of things that we've got to do. A million things that we should be doing, isn't there? Well, actually, Jesus says, verse 42, have a look down at verse 42 again. Few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Only one thing is needed. It's an incredibly simple passage, this that we've just read. It's going to be an incredibly simple sermon. There's only one point, and that is Jesus wants us to learn only one lesson, that only one thing is necessary. What's the one thing? It's what Mary was doing. Martha was worried about many things, verse 41. Mary was doing only one thing in verse 39. Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Well, if you um, have been with us the last few weeks, um, or if not, if you're just joining us this morning, um, we're carrying on a little journey, working our way through Luke's uh, gospel. And we come at the end of this chapter 10 to the house of this uh, woman named Martha, as we saw in verse 38. She opened her home to Jesus. Martha's got a sister called Mary. Uh, And actually, if you um, read through the Gospels, you discover that actually this family eventually come to be incredibly special to Jesus, very close friends, this family. Uh, Mary and Martha actually have got a brother who's not mentioned here in this passage. Mary and Martha's brother's name is Lazarus, uh, that Lazarus, who was a very close friend of Jesus, who when Jesus found out he died, actually Jesus wept and Lazarus didn't stay dead for long. That was a memorable event in the life of this family. Another one was the time when Mary anointed Jesus with an incredibly expensive jar of perfume. That Mary. This is that family. And uh, Luke mentions at the beginning, if you look at the start of Luke's gospel, he mentions he went around interviewing all of the eyewitnesses, all of those who were there to hear what happened when Jesus was here firsthand, so that we could be confident this morning that actually what we're reading isn't just a load of made-up fairy tales. It really happened this way. And you get the impression that Mary and Martha must have maybe sat down with Luke 
and recounted this story, they wanted him to include what happened the first time their family met Jesus. And you can picture the scene, can't you? I mean, it's such a vivid description. Martha was the hostess uh, with the mostess. Have you ever had somebody important round for for dinner or something like that? I once had my boss over for dinner and my landlord at the same time. It kind of felt like it was important to, you know, put on quite a good show. I I did a beef wellington, which I have to say was pretty good, if I do say so myself. But it took me all day. I was pretty flustered, actually, in making sure that I was going to give really excellent hospitality to these people. Uh, That's what Martha was doing. She was having Jesus round for dinner. I mean... (laughs) It doesn't get any more important than that, does it? To have the Son of God in your house. And so she's been working hard. She's showed Jesus through to the sitting room. She's offered him the nicest chair. She's thanking herself that she got the house nice and tidy in advance, ready before he turned up, so that it was able to be presentable for him. And now she's busying herself in the kitchen, getting the meal sorted. Alone. Because Mary is being absolutely no help at all, is she? She, verse 39, is just sitting there while Martha does all the hard work. And so Martha, perhaps she pops through to the sitting room with something refreshing to drink for her guests, partly so she can serve Jesus and partly so she can fix Mary with a glare that says, not in so many words, perhaps you might like to come through and give me a little bit of a hand in the kitchen. I think we've got some sympathy for Martha, haven't we? She's opened her home. Actually, just like Jesus said, we're supposed to do. At the start of the chapter, if you were with us a few weeks ago, we looked at the start of chapter 10, where Jesus sent out the 72. Uh, He said in verse 5, when you enter a house, say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace there, your peace will rest on them. Stay there, eating, drinking, whatever they give you. Don't move around. Enter a town. If you're welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Well, Martha's done that, hasn't she? She's opened her home to Jesus. Verse 38, she opened her home. She welcomed him. And also, what's she doing now? She's serving Jesus. I mean, what more important thing could there possibly be doing than to serve Jesus? There are plenty of people who serve in any number of different ways in this church. I'm incredibly grateful that people do serve. We need people to serve. It's good to serve. Yeah, it's not like Martha was off doing her nails or she was off kind of out with her friends. She was serving Jesus. What could possibly be wrong with that? Well, five minutes later, and Mary still hasn't come through, and Martha's leaning around the door to try and catch Mary's eye. Psst, come and get in here. Give me a hand. And eventually, she's had enough. And you can just bet that actually when Martha told this account to Luke, she winced with embarrassment as she remembered what she did next. Verse 40, she asked Jesus to intervene. Lord, she said, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her, I mean, that's pretty embarrassing, isn't it? To get your guest to intervene and to get your sister to come and help. Well, Jesus' answer is so kind. Verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha. I love the way he uses her name twice. He gently and lovingly tells her she's got it all wrong. 
She's busying herself in the kitchen when the second person of the Trinity is in the sitting room. The Son of God incarnate is there, the longed-for Messiah, the King of Kings, the Friend of Sinners, the Great I Am, the Good Shepherd, the Alpha and the Omega, the Rock of Ages, the Lamb of God is in her house and Martha is chopping vegetables next door. That is the wrong thing to be doing. When important people speak, we should listen. Yeah, when our doctor speaks, we listen. When our financial advisor speaks, we listen. When our coach or our gym instructor speaks or our boss speaks, we listen. When Jesus is speaking, we should be listening. That's what Mary was doing, verse 39. She sat at the Lord's feet, listening, listening to what Jesus was saying. Why is Mary sitting at Jesus' feet? It's a bit weird, isn't it? Is it a bit demeaning? Um, or is there a romantic undertone going on? Some people have suggested maybe Mary's a little bit too interested in Jesus. And perhaps Martha is jealous of the attention that she's giving and receiving him. Well, no, I don't think so. Sitting at the feet of a rabbi is what disciples did. It's the posture of a disciple. The rabbi in Jewish times didn't climb a pulpit to teach. He sat down. And his disciples would sit down with him, sitting at his feet. That's an idiom to just sort of express that you're a disciple if you've sat at the feet of somebody. The Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, chapter 22, verse 3, he says, he describes his education, he says he was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, the great first century rabbi. Remember the demoniac. A few weeks ago, we looked at the guy who Jesus delivered from um, uh, spiritual darkness and demonic oppression. Well, when the townsfolk in chapter 8 came to see what had happened, they found him dressed and in his right mind, sitting at Jesus' feet. That's what disciples do. And if you're a Christian here this morning, we don't literally sit at Jesus' feet, but we certainly do in the sense that we adopt a posture of humility towards our teacher. Um, I don't have many regrets, but I do regret my appalling attitude towards my own education when I was at school. I don't know whether anybody else looks back and winces at the way that... I mean, perhaps if I'd have had teachers of the calibre that are in this room, uh, looking around at Chris Harvey and Charlie Adams, maybe I would have um, looked up to my teachers a little bit more, but I resented being there. I used to argue with my teachers, why do I have to learn trigonometry? It's pointless and boring, and I, I hated it. I didn't want to be there. Well, what's our attitude towards God's word? Do we sit at the back of the class with a raised eyebrow, sceptical, dubious and unconvinced? When it comes to the Bible, are we like the amateur art critic rolling through the gallery offering their advice about, you know, I like this or I don't like that. Oh, it's a very novel, but I don't like the use of contrast. I mean, are we a bit like that with the Bible? Plenty of people say, oh, yeah, I like this. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I like the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, I don't like the Old Testament. Actually, plenty of people sit in judgment over God's word. But disciples adopt a posture of humility and sit at the feet of Jesus, sitting under God's word, allowing God's word to evaluate them. Now, as an aside, it's worth observing just how countercultural this was 
for Mary to be doing. Sometimes people make the mistake of thinking that Christianity is sexist. Uh, They are wrong. I don't think they've read Luke chapter 10, if anybody thinks that Christianity is sexist. Certainly the first century of Jesus' day was quite sexist. Women, more or less, were second-class citizens. Uh, Do you remember when Jesus spoke with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and the disciples arrived? In fact, they were surprised to find he was speaking with a woman. That wasn't the done thing. They perhaps would have agreed with Martha that Mary ought to have been in the kitchen doing women's work. The women of Jesus' day didn't receive a rabbinical education. But Jesus says, verse 42, Mary has chosen what is better. It's perfectly appropriate to her for her to adopt the posture of a disciple of Jesus. He sees no distinction in the status between men and women. And the Apostle Paul would later say that we are all one in Christ Jesus, completely equal. She was listening to Jesus. It's such a simple message in these verses, isn't it? Martha was, verse 41, worried about many things. But verse 42, only one thing was needed. What was the thing that was needed? It was what Mary was doing to sit at the Lord's feet and listen. Well, how are we going to do that today? Jesus is not likely to drop round our house anytime soon and uh, invite himself in for a meal. That's why Luke wrote this gospel, so that we could know what he said, so that we could actually listen to him through the pages of this book. We don't listen to God in prayer. God listens to us in prayer. We listen to him through the pages of the Bible, which is why, actually, Aaron and Vicky, we've got a little present for Bonnie and Reuben, one each. Here we go. Here's a Bible. Why don't you take that? There you go. There could be nothing more precious than to sit at the feet of Jesus, read the Bible, and hear what he's got to say, like Mary did. If you read through Luke's Gospel, I encourage anybody who's never read a Gospel front to back, take you an hour, maybe two hours, sit and read Luke's Gospel when you're trying to keep cool tomorrow. If you do, in chapter 6, you'll come across the parable of the sower. Do you remember the parable of the sower? Um, uh, it's called the different, you know, the seed gets sown on the different types of soil, and uh, some of it gets eaten by the birds, others of it gets choked by the thorns, others of it bears fruit. Well, Jesus says the seed is the word, and the good soil are those who hear the word. So do we want our children to grow up to be fruit, live fruitful lives? Well, it involves listening to the word. Or uh, later on, you'll come across the parable of the wise and foolish builders. Does everyone remember that one? A wise man built his house upon the rock, and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. Jesus says, who's the wise builder? The one who hears the word and puts it into practice. Uh, later on, in Luke's Gospel, in chapter 9, you read about the transfiguration. It's painted up there on this amazing mural. What happened at the transfiguration? There was a voice from heaven, and the voice said, this is my son. Listen to him. Do like Mary and listen to his word. In chapter 11, if you can see, it's on the same page that we're on, we, we get the first veneration of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, lots of people over the centuries have been tempted to almost worship the Virgin Mary. Um, I've once heard a couple of people talking about the BVM. I said, what's the BVM? They said, it's the Blessed Virgin Mary. I had no idea that she got reduced to an acronym like that. But this is what um, happened the first time, I think. It was in chapter 11, verse 27. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Blessed 
is the Virgin Mary. Blessed is the Virgin Mary. Jesus doesn't have any of it. Verse 28, he replies, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So do we want firm foundations? Do we want to be fruitful in our lives? Do we want to be blessed, a member of Jesus's royal family? Point is pretty clear, isn't it? Only one thing is needed to listen to the Lord Jesus seated at his feet. It's what we're trying to do on Sunday mornings. It's what we're trying to do now. It's what we try to do in our home groups. We've got one or two home groups that meet around the town in people's homes to be able to get to know each other a bit better, to study the Bible a bit deeper, to pray for each other a bit more. And uh, we might be able to launch one or two new home groups in, uh, after the summer. If you're interested in joining a home group where you want to be able to listen to the Lord Jesus' words a bit more, come and have a word with me after the service. Are we listening like Mary or like Martha? Are we too busy? I've got to say, I've been so challenged by this over the course of this week. For the whole of my life, near enough, as far as I can remember, I've tried to start every day when I can with a quiet time, just taking half an hour to pray, to listen to God's word. But it's gone right out the window with two small children, not a hope. It's too busy. There's so much going on. I haven't got time. It hasn't happened. I haven't been listening. I've been focused on so many things when only one thing is needed. And I think Jesus wants to challenge us this morning, to challenge our priorities. If we've got time to walk the dog, or we've got time to get our golf handicap down, or we've got time to get the garden looking nice, or we've got time to scroll endlessly through Facebook or to binge watching Netflix, but we've got no time, oh, I couldn't possibly find time to read the Bible. Well, Jesus would gently challenge us this morning and lovingly say to us, verse 41, Martha, Martha, or whatever your name is, because he knows you by name. You're worried and upset about many things. Few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her.